Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Oh, it's good to see y'all sexy faces in the building today, baby. Show and BK, and, and, and including myself, as a part of those sexy faces. And Steve Serta, fresh and back from uh, from New Orleans, man. You look you, you look you look like you had yourself a good time down in the Big Easy. See, when you paused there after you said sexy faces or whatever, I thought you were going to say, "Well, I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about Serta." And take a shot at me not having a sexy face. I thought about taking a shot at you, but um, I decided not to. I, I, I decided, I decided not to. I'll get you here at some point, <laughs> but I decided not to. I feel, I feel good. I feel I am, nice. I'm fresh. I'm vibrant. Coming off vacation. Yeah, took me a couple of days to get right. I drank an ungodly amount of alcohol in New Orleans, but I'm good now. I, I'm, I'm ready to roll. Yeah, I think the thing that everybody is wondering is if you won. And uh, I I hope everyone knows what that means. When to think you go on vacation, you drink a lot of alcohol, did you come away with a W? Uh, that, that's what a lot of people, you don't have to answer. I just think everyone knows you went on vacation. It's the lingering thing in the back of people's head. We know Steve single. Did Steve come out of there with a W? Did Steve, was he, was he first half Patrick Mahomes or did he walk away second half Patrick Mahomes against the Bengals that's what a lot of people are wondering I think you should keep the mystery oh if you I ever would... get a chance to go to New Orleans and go to Frenchman Street it's oh. a hell of a time oh, oh wow oh, okay. okay oh wow yeah I like that I like that Ooh, that makes me want to go watch this is us that is beautiful <laughs> that is great I love that it man seems... Okay, what's that? What's that street again? It was like right a highly uh, Frenchman, huh? And, and strange show to want to watch. And, and, and great show. They're coming down to the end, an emotional roller coaster. But man, that's great, man. We're proud of you, Steve. I know I am. Um, I mean, what the hell did the Chiefs do to the NFL? This this schedule. And listen, I looked at the teams when the Chiefs. When you knew, like, all right, these are the home games, either the road games. And, you know, the way you looked at it, you're like, oh, well, okay, they got the AFC South. That's the, the, the worst division in football. Okay, that feels pretty good. And you looked at him like, man, this division gets better. I know, well, I see these teams. But then when they put that sucker together, the way they put it together, I'd be like, good God. I, listen, I like, to, I like to look at the schedule and see the hot zones, the hot spots. Damn it! It's hot spots all over this damn thing. I mean, I mean, it, it just it, there ain't there ain't a, a, a place to breathe in here. In particular, the season could be completely on the line in this in this first eight. This first eight at Arizona, 
primetime home against the Chargers at Indianapolis. And everybody's talking about, as Reggie Wayne said, boy, you can't, I can't believe how much Matt Ryan reminds me of Peyton Manning. Let's get calm okay. down. That's what he said. At Tampa, Super Bowl-level team. I think the Chargers are a Super Bowl-level team. The Raiders at home on Monday night football. And then what I would argue the best team in football at home against Buffalo. And then a team that was in the NFC Championship game last year at San Francisco. The Titans, who were the number one seed last year here on Sunday night football. My, I mean, every one of those teams, BK inserted, were either in the playoffs or did stupid things to prevent themselves from being in the playoffs. Like the Colts, like losing on the road to Jacksonville to end the season. And then the, the Chargers. Their stupid coach being stupid is the only thing that kept them out of the playoffs. I have never seen anything like this. But, fellas, maybe this is something that we got to start getting used to because the NFL, and in particularly the AFC, I mean, there's just a lot more teams rolling around here now that you look at and you got to say, man, you're just going to have tough schedules. It's the, it's the quarterbacks, right? Like, that's the thing oh that always stands God. out to you. As you, you look up and down the schedule, you're like, ah, all right, you got Mitch Trubisky that week. That's a week that, that Patrick yeah. Mahomes and Andy Reid will be able to win it for you. This year, man, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady. All right, Derek Carr, that's like a 15th best quarterback in the league. That's your reprieve. Josh Allen. You have no idea what's going to happen with San Francisco, but then you get a little bit of a reprieve again with Ryan Tannehill, and they just keep going. <laughs> you know, Chargers, they don't even Rams, Bengals, uh, Broncos. Like it just but they got Stafford. No... There's Stafford there. That's not even before. I mean, that's not even before November. Stafford, Dude, the, the, the November schedule is oh absurd. At LA for the Chargers, home against the Rams. At the Bengals, at the Broncos in early December in Denver. Like, come on, dude. Really? Really? I, just know, I don't know what they did to piss them off to set this schedule up. They could they could have mixed in uh, uh, Houston and, <laughs> and Jacksonville a couple of times. All of those are at the end of the year. Seattle. It's Houston, Seattle, Las Vegas at the end of the season. They're like, all right, we'll let you go ahead and take a few weeks off here at the end. Ron, for the it, first 14 weeks... They have three games at noon central. Three. It used to be every week for the Kansas City Chiefs was <laughs> noon central. You know where to find us. We're going to be on CBS and it's going to be Gumble. He's going to be your announcer. That's it's it. Be, Number three announcing crew. It's going to be Rich Gannon and Gumble. Now you know okay. Kevin Harlan. It's going to be Tony Romo, and then we're going to get Al Michaels, and then you're going to get your boy Tariko, and we're going to get Joe Buck on ESPN. Like, it's every week you've got a new announcing crew with the number one team. It's wild, dude. It's crazy the way the schedule sets up. Yeah, I I just don't know. I just don't know. I can't believe. I mean, it is like the schedule. And I think you made a really good point before we were getting going, Serta, is hell, through their first seven games last year, they were three and four. And they had, I think they had the Washington racial slurs in there. They had Philadelphia in there. They, I mean, they had they had teams you would think they should win against. Like it was, I was shocked they started three and four last year. You look at this schedule. I mean, who knows where they could be? So, because I was in New Orleans, it took me a few days to to really dive into the schedule and grasp okay. it. And when I looked at it, I was like, 
dear lord <laughs> like, what is, is that what you said that here? was your reaction dear lord <laughs> yeah. i might have cussed but i was just like oh, okay. like man this is absolutely insane but i will say like last season that three and four start and it was something that we had accused this team of for years now of just like looking disinterested at times and i think that had a lot to do with it and then you know, the two high looks and them struggling with that and just not adjusting and being like, why doesn't this thing with Mahomes work anymore? And it took them a while to figure it out. Like this year, I, I will say that I'm a, I'm feeling a little bit more confident about them, like adjusting and working on things and tinkering things like out of the gate and being more fired up because this is kind of a new team. This is a revamped team with some younger guys. So I'm a little bit more confident in them coming out of the gate this year. And yeah, like, I also wouldn't be shocked if if it winds up kind of if they wind up being four and four or, or three and five or something like that through the first part of the schedule. Uh, no, they, they they very well. I, when you first spoke that up, I was like, all right, man, I know this is a tough schedule, but here, let's let's back off. I mean, hold on, man. I mean, I mean, they were three and four last year. I mean, like, I mean, we got to be honest. That's a realistic thing. And I think um, one of the big keys when you're looking at this, like what what was the Chiefs? What have been the Chiefs the last several years, especially since Patrick Mahomes has been in? They've been able to get the first or second seed. And before last year, that meant they were getting buys no matter what. Like, I mean, am I wrong? How many – Patrick Mahomes, has, has he never – he's never played a game on the road, right, in the playoffs. He's outside of the Super Bowl. Every one of these playoff games have been at Arrowhead Stadium, right? I mean, every one of them since the Titans blew it last year. Yep. Every game he's played has been at Arrowhead Stadium. That is in real jeopardy. And the buys and whatever, that's in real jeopardy when you look at this schedule. Oh, I, I think it should be the expectation going into the season. Oh, I'll flush that down the toilet. This doesn't mean that the Chiefs are going to be bad. I think sometimes Chiefs fans hear stuff where people say like, hey, your team might not have the same record as it was a year ago. Having a worse record does not mean you are a worse team. The Chiefs could go 11-6 and six this year, maybe 10-7 and seven this year, and they could be significantly better than they were last year. And it's just in relation to who you're going up against. Like if you're playing playoff teams, what do you guys think? Like 12 of the 17 games this year? I mean, that, that it just makes it a much more difficult uh, way to navigate the schedule. If you go by the win totals, which is what I personally like to go with for the strength of schedule, because I, I don't want to look back on who you were last year. What does Vegas think you're going to be this year? They typically have a pretty good gauge on that stuff. The Chiefs have, by a decent margin, the hardest schedule in the NFL going into the season. So uh, 10-7, and 11-6, and six, something like that seems totally in, in the realm of the possibility. So I'm totally with you, Ron. I, I don't think this is a team that you should expect going into the season. We'll have a bye week. And my bet would be Patrick Mahomes plays his first road playoff game in a Chiefs uniform. And I say all of that and also feel this way about it, Ron. This is the most excited I've been about a Chiefs team, just as a fan of the team, since 2019. Like really? just going into the season, just pure excitement about what right. are we going to learn about them? Oh, because okay. it's going to be different. Like we're going to go into week one and I don't know what to expect this time around. The last three years, the Chiefs have been really, really good. Don't get me wrong. But the last couple of years in particular, it's kind of felt stale at times where it's like, okay, I know what they're going to be. They're going to be really good. 
And Tyreek Hill is going to do his thing. They're going to run a bunch of RPOs. The defense is going to take six weeks to be able to figure itself out. And then the last 10 weeks of the season, they'll be pretty solid. And then we'll figure out what it looks like in the, in the playoffs. That's pretty much it. This year, I have no idea what to expect. I don't know what they're going to do with their receivers. I don't know if their run game is going to be a little bit more complicated or if they're going to have an offensive line that's just with a bunch of mammoth human beings with a new right tackle out there. I don't know what the defense is going to look like because they have so many new pieces on that side of the ball. It's just something fresh, man, and I think they kind of needed that. Yeah, that's that's the thing, fellas, that's that's with me is I think the 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 Chiefs are one of the most interesting things, especially offensively. The, the most interesting things to happen uh, that's going to happen in the NFL this year. And I think a lot of people look at that front eight, as we just talked about, because that thing is, is difficult. And the thought is, man, the Chiefs are going to have to adjust to life without Tyreek Hill. And they are. And Tyreek Hill was a bit of a tone setter in terms of what they did. And he could dictate a lot of things. He, I mean, he was like, you think about the Chiefs. Fast, up tempo, all that like that that was him, and he dictated a lot of it. So they're going to be they're going to be a, a different team. And I and I I I think back to things you've said before, BK, and that is, man, you you compared like the Chiefs to what that second phase or that third phase of the Patriots, in which, hey man, Randy got up out of here, and 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 and. and what the hell? What's the slot guy's name? What the hell? West, West Walker. He got up out of here. Like this is a different Star Wars got up out of here. This is all right. They've moved from that high-powered offense that beat you down the field and their wide receivers and everything to then they moved to the tight end things and they drafted Rob Gronkowski and they put him and the killer together and they just really had the middle of the field and that's how they dominated things and then they used their backs out of the backfield. In the past game, like that's that was the new way they uh, they attacked teams. It looked different, but they were still effective enough on offense to win. Hell, they didn't win championships with those crew. They won them with the other ones, and that's the thing is, yeah, they got to live life without Tyreek Hill, and that's an adjustment. But these other teams, especially early, they've got to figure out. All right, what the hell is Andy Reid doing? Early on, because as you said, like nobody, we don't know what the hell the Chiefs are going to do offensively. We don't know what's going to be their new way of attacking things. They've got a lot of things there. You can see they they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. They brought in um, uh, Valdez Scantley. They've drafted Sky Moore, who we like. They've got a lot, and then they, you know, obviously, they still have McCole Hardman, and they've got the back. But we don't know exactly what Andy is going to say, this is how we attack things. This is going to be the new bread and butter. This is going to be the things. Like, you can go back and look at the Philly days, which I have done. You can go back and look at the Alex Smith days. You can go back and look at a lot of things. But teams are going to have to adjust to what Andy Reid is going to do. And Andy Reid, like, we've known this, Serta. You've watched him. BK, you've watched him. Andy Reid, who's been a head coach in the NFL for over 25-plus years, He's had a lot of different type of styles, right? Like he's had, it feels like three different styles within Donovan McNabb. He's had the T.O. run. He's had the Hank Basket no-name receivers run with Freddie Mitchell. He's had the Brian Westbrook's going to be the number one target guy out of this. Then he had Michael Vick, and he had the Deshaun Jackson thing with Michael Vick. Right? Don't he's forget had about Kevin Cobb. 
That was four games, two games. Hell, it wasn't either. Hell, it was a couple games. He got hurt the first game of the year. But he's Ron just knows that because he's gone back and watched every from mid-2000s <laughs> Eagles game over the last two weeks. That's right. The, the Green Bay Packers, Clay Matthews, got him from behind and hit him, and, and that brought Michael Vick off the bench. But I mean, Ron's going to run out of Eagles tape, and he's going to start watching the 90s Packers to remember Andy I've when he been, was like, 30 years old. <laughs> I'm looking at this because I am truly intrigued by what we're going to get. I Like, that's the thing is, like, all right, yeah, they got life without Tyreek Hill. All right, we don't have to cover deep. But hold on, uh, Arizona. Do you know what Andy's going to do? And if you know Andy, hey, uh, Chargers game two, you can look at what they did against Arizona, but that ain't completely it because all of a sudden, how when in the hell did the Kansas City Chiefs all of a sudden have the the leading rusher in the NFL come out of nowhere with Kareem Hunt? When would Andy Reid have that? Who knows? So you just don't know what he's going to. He's had Jamal Charles. He's had no like he has been able to do a lot of different things. So I I think these first four weeks, yeah, it's a tough schedule, but these teams got to figure out what the hell Andy Reid's going to bring to the table, and none of us know. Yeah, it's a challenge for the Chiefs, but it's also a challenge for the other teams to be able to try to figure out and game plan for what the Chiefs are going to do. And I think for a lot of these teams, especially early on, like we've seen this with Andy before, where he'll show certain aspects of his playbook early, but not all of it. So you could see a a portion of it against Arizona that he wants to break out. And then, you know, on Thursday night football, the first ever prime video uh, Thursday night football game, you know Andy's going to bring something out for that one against the Chargers because he knows how big of a game that is. So you're going to see new stuff every single week, and we have no idea what it is. Like some of it might be he's going 13 personnel with one running back and three tight ends. The next week he might say, you know what, Darius Fountain is going to be our uh, – okay, nah, maybe now not. You're maybe just not. Out here maybe not. Dream, I'm getting out a little over a my what it? Stop, but, man. Let him go. The next week, maybe you see Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Garrick Dieter, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> He's gone. Nah, his time's <laughs> over, man. He's yeah. finally gone. So Clyde could be out. featured one week. You know who might have a bigger role than we're expecting? Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones yeah, seems to fit him. really well with their new offensive line. So uh, there's a lot of different things that they could do with the offense, and it reminds me a little bit, and it's no coincidence uh, that uh, Matt Nagy's back, but remember that final year with Alex Smith here? How everything it came out and it was like, oh my god, this this is different. Who is this quarterback? And what happened to the old Alex Smith that we watched? You could see that this year, not in the same way, because you're not going to see Patrick Mahomes come out and throw it deep and be like, whoa, Patrick Mahomes can throw deep. Now we know that, but there's just going to be different things schematically that surprise us, and I'm I, really looking forward to that. I'm I'm telling you right now, fellas, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fall for it, and I know I'm going to fall for it, and it's something that many Chiefs fans have done over the last couple of years. This is the time where Clyde Edwards-Alaire is featured for. I'm going to fall for it right now. I know each one of you, I believe, over the last couple of years have said it. I, I, I remember, I don't remember, I think it was last year where you were gung-ho, sort of. Oh, God, Clyde is going to go. He is going to go crazy. I think, BK, you were in there, too. We said I'm, draft him in your fantasy drafts. Draft him high. You sure draft as hell did. I'm going to fall for healthy. I, healthy. I think that potentially is a wrinkle of using his his talents. Uh, uh, there there were just maybe too uh, too many other 
pieces that you had to get involved. Like Tyreek Hill had to, you had to use him and, and, and use things down the field. And maybe there are less, because there's to me, there's only one person you got to get the ball to at some point in the game, and that is Kelsey. Now you can you 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 could do a lot of different things, and I'm gonna fall for it. I believe Clyde's usage is going to come that Clyde that we, everyone envisioned at LSU. I think we'll see more of that. Him and him and Ronald Jones. I'm falling for it. I know it. Him and Ronald Jones back there, and he's the pass receiver. I, I, I do. I think that the little the little James White action. Uh, the little Austin Eckler, I think we're going to see it. I am falling for it, but I'm saying it right now. I think that's one of the adjustments is is taking advantage of that matchup. Him against linebackers, him against guys. I, 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 we've been calling for it, but I think now it, it, it may it may be something that happens. I, I agree, and I do think that they're going to run. Do you year. agree because you want to agree, or do you actually agree and think that, that Andy's actually going to, to make him a priority? I, I don't know if Andy's necessarily going to make him individually a priority. I think Andy is going to make the run game a priority more this year just because of the personnel they have along the offensive line. Take some of the pressure off of Patrick Mahomes like we saw in the playoffs where he feels like he has to do everything for the offense and, and make it a little bit easier for him. Now, it depends on how much they trust Clyde as a pass catcher. Cause one thing we know about Ronald Jones is that dude is not a pass catcher. Like it's just not a part of his game that has translated to the NFL. It was the biggest issue with him in Tampa Bay was like, he is, he is an explosive runner. He is a dynamic running back, but Duke cannot pass block. Duke cannot catch passes. Like he's just not good at it. And so Clyde's got to be able to contribute in that way because they're going to need him to. And Ronald Jones basically just an early down back. I do think they're going to run more, and I agree with BK that I think you can learn more about this Chiefs offense headed into this season by looking at that final year of Alex Smith than you're probably going to learn by looking at all of the years since with Patrick Mahomes because, you know, yeah, the personnel, like even going back to 2018 when they had the, the full plethora of weapons were setting offensive records and then having Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey all these years. I do think there's a level of complacency that they hit offensively and creatively with their play calling that is going to not happen this season. Like, I think we're going to get the best Andy Reid that we've seen in a couple of years. And that's crazy because Andy is always really good. But I think we're going to see Andy lean a little bit more into, okay, I got to be the guy doing doing everything and making everything easier for our offense. Listen, not to be a slut here, but I, I will push back a little bit on that. And that is. Don't we think the difference in Alex Smith that year was the emergence of Tyreek Hill? Like, he started to throw the ball down the field more because the emergence of the most feared downfield threat that we had. Like, it wasn't that – maybe if I'm – maybe y'all saw it different. But I felt like the difference between Alex Smith and not throwing – listen, I will never forget the Denver Bronco game that I went to, and then I went back and rewound it back. It was when Marcus Peters returned an intercession from Peyton Manning back, but they still found a way to lose down at the end of it. He threw, I think, three balls more than five yards past the line of scrimmage in the entire game. And he threw it like 30 times. All of them were within the line of scrimmage, five yards of the line of scrimmage. A lot of sideways, short stuff. That's what they did all game long. And then Tyreek Hill came on the team and, and came on the scene that next year. And that's when they're throwing the ball down the 
down the field, and that was the changes. So I, I, I wonder about how much Tyreek dictated a change in, in Alex Smith. Some of that is true, but some of that was the usage of Tyreek Hill as well, yeah, and that goes up. back to what Andy was willing and able to do with him. That first year, Andy didn't know what he had in Tyreek no. Hill. And they realized, oh, this guy's just a receiver. Like, they didn't know if he was a running back, a receiver, a slot guy, if he was going to be a gadget player like what they've had in the past with Anthony Thomas. What are we going to use this guy as? I mean, that year early on, it, he had a bunch of carries from the backfield. Like, that's the way they were utilizing him. Not in motion, not the end of rounds, but like actual running back carries for Tyreek Hill. And then they were like, oh, no, this guy's a receiver. So they started using him outside. And so some of it was absolutely just the most feared receiver in the NFL just bloomed. He blossomed into what he was ultimately going to be. But some of it was also like Alex had had guys that could go deep in the past. He just didn't throw it to them for whatever reason. And I think some of it was, I got nothing left to lose. They just drafted my replacement. He knew that you knew that Ron. I knew it sort of every chiefs fan knew this is going to be a one year thing. And so he just said, bleep it i'm gonna throw it deep and it works he also, he also said tyreek's a little different than donnie avery 100 yeah. percent. and jeremy macklin who was clearly banged up at that point in different, his career yeah. so like he, he was a different cat but some of it was also the schematics of it as well so i think it's a combination of all of the above they were also just more creative than than they have been the last couple of years and i think some of that is you fall into patterns when you have the same personnel available to you there's only so many different ways that you can utilize them, right? By the end, this Golden State Warriors thing, like we kind of know what it's going to look like. Early on when they were adding all of these new different pieces in, it was like, oh, wow, how are they going to use Andrew Wiggins? What are they going to be able to do to incorporate Kevin Durant? Like all of these different things were in there. And so they would find new and interesting ways to use these new pieces. Chiefs yeah. haven't really had that the last few years. Kind of been stagnant in terms of the personnel and now you've got so many new pieces that there are a million different ways that this thing could go. Well, and I still want them to throw the ball plenty. Like, well, you got Patrick let, let Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes sling it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But it's also not just like the running game. It's things that we've seen Andy Reid do with incredible success in the past that they've seemingly abandoned over the last couple of years, like the design screens, the bubble screen used to be a huge part of their offense with Alex Smith. And it used to be something they seemed to be able to do basically whenever they wanted. And it'd pick up seven yards, eight yards. Sometimes they'd break one. Like, like those kinds of things are things that they've basically just abandoned under Patrick Mahomes. And it's understandable because it's a lot more fun when you're scoring 50 yard touchdowns and when you can score quick and put up 35 points a game, I'd much rather prefer that they do that too, but they have to diagnose like what they have in the personnel group now and, and who can do what and who's good at what, and I think that experimenting is actually going to be a good thing for their offense. And I think more and more now, because they don't have as much of that, you know, bum rush you type of ability offensively, they got they've also got to play their offense to help their defense even more than they have in years before. And that's why I think when you say they've got to run the ball and maybe uh, hold possession a little bit more, like maybe they don't want as many possessions in the game as the Chiefs, you know, used to, right? Like, I mean, that that's a recipe for disaster. You start playing some of these teams they got on their schedule and the way their defense looks as of now. Like you got to help 
you got to help them out as much. And, and some of that can be done with how you're playing offense. The right. other thing is, like, if you're hoping for a Clyde Renaissance year, guys, I think I what you're ho- what you're hoping for is that he takes on that Daryl Williams role that Daryl had last year and still holds on to some of the early down work that he had a year ago. And then you just give a, a great portion of the former Clyde, the grinder role, to Ronald Jones. And that's kind of what you were getting at, Serta, is like Ronald Jones, that's, that's what he's here for, is to give you the – four yards on first and 10, the three yards on second and four to be able to set you up in third and manageable. That's Ronald Jones. That's what he's been in his career. He's not really a third down back. And over the last few years, Daryl Williams has carved out a really nice role as a third down running back in this offense. And if you look at what Clyde and Daryl did combine in the passing game last year, it's about 65 receptions for 600 yards through the air. It's a heck of a year for a running back. And if Clyde takes that on this year, yeah, that, that's suddenly the player that we all thought he was going to be when they drafted him at LSU. There's just going to be somewhere an area of the offense that had been underutilized that will step forward coming up. I don't, we don't know where it is, what it's going to be, but there is something that is going to step forward. Just like the, the example we keep going back to is, like the Patriots didn't use tight ends. I can't think of a tight end they had when Randy and, and Wes Welker and them were there. Benjamin and all of, Watson. Yeah. Was that it? Is he, maybe he was, there, he was there for at least the first couple of Brady rings. That was probably before Randy. A bit, that was made of it because those guys never won a ring. So I got, uh, so because like Welker and Randy, they never won a ring. So I can't even remember. But then after they left, that was a position that became the leading part of their offense. So we'll see what it is. I don't know what it is. Um, and it'll, it, like I said, we, that's what we're talking about. It'll be really interesting to see what comes forward. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. So there's been some some news with players we've been talking about during the offseason, right? And the, the two that jump out, Melvin Ingram and James Bradbury. And both of them are signed with teams that aren't the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, let's let's start with with Melvin Ingram. And I and you got some damn explaining to do, uh, uh, Brandon Kiley. Because, hell, you had convinced me. I mean, you had gone through with all these numbers and everything that you put together. You tried to confuse me and the listeners with the salary cap stuff of how this is going to happen. I was just nodding with you, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't follow <laughs> it. I, just was, I was just pulling a, uh, uh, pulling a LeVar Burton and just taking your word for it. And I'm, so I'm like, I'm like, what's he talking about? And you said, all right, Melvin Egram, just a matter of when. Well, his ass is in Miami. 
with Tyreek and he and he's not there. And and the Chiefs are sitting here as we sit right here entering OTAs coming through with the pass rush of George Carlitis, Mike Dana, Austin Edwards, Francis Clark. Who are Taylor these guys Stallworth. you're talking about? I'm just naming these cats they got you out. Other name Malik Herring. Don't Malik, you leave Malik Herring out Malik of Malik Herring, Cortez Broughton. I mean, this is what they're sitting like. Like, I mean, but in all seriousness, there's a tie between Frank Clark and Mike Dana as your second best pass rusher behind behind Chris Jones. And that's where they are. And they listen, Andy and and, and, and Brett have had some interesting things occur in this offseason. And I think they've handled them pretty well. Like, I think right now you've got to feel pretty well about how they have recovered with the wide receiving core and the numbers they've thrown at it after losing Tyreek Hill. You've got to feel pretty good about what they got back. Five picks, several premium picks in the first two rounds for Tyreek Hill. you got to feel good about, I think, what they've done in the secondary for the most part. You draft a corner that you that you wanted, and and like you, you you've been able to like right now you give me Snead, Fenton, and and uh, and McDuffie the rookie feel pretty good about that three. You bring in Lonnie Johnson for real cheap that could be uh, somebody that could be a player for you, right? Like you feel good about that, but you cannot sit right here and look at this pass rush and this defensive line and know that that Steve Spagnola has built his defenses around his defensive lines getting pressure and feel like, all right, they've handled it. Not for a team that's supposed to be vying for a Super Bowl, and that's how I look at this group. Um, Melvin Ingram, that is just another spot in this team and in this offseason where that was an area they didn't take care of. And you and I both know it, BK. You look around the division, all of them added one and added big-time guys at those positions. The Broncos – adding Randy Gregory, the, the Chargers adding Khalil Mack, and the Raiders adding Chandler Jones. And you're still sitting here with Frank Clark and his badass knees and his hip and his back as your second-best pass rusher. That That is problematic now that you locked out on, on Melvin Eaton. No, it, it is. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say this is a good thing. And I thought it was done. Like, I assumed when they put that tag on him. You're damn right you thought it was done. <laughs> It's a done deal. Uh, we have too. not seen we have not seen this really used. So hey, the only convinced. reason you would do this is because this is what you do when you think a deal is done. I've gone on my radio show in Houston multiple times talking about Melvin Ingram. It's a it's in a bag <laughs> off of what BK said. I have told people lies off of what BK said. I don't think anybody knew what that tag was until this year when the Ravens and Chiefs did it because nobody ever uses it. BK did. I, <laughs> I didn't until they did it this year. And then it was like, ah, oh, okay, it's over. Melvin Ingram's back. This is great. Uh, he ain't back. Um, but no, can, can, can we be honest for a moment about what Melvin Ingram is at this point in his career? Melvin Ingram is a 33-year-old pass rusher who has a combined two sacks over the last two seasons as a chief he had five quarterback hits two tackles for loss and one sack he definitely helped improve the defense you are worse today by not having melvin ingram 
But there are other guys that could either be equal or maybe better than what Melvin Ingram is going to be this year. It should not surprise you if the Chiefs end up signing one of Jadeveon Clowney, Jason Pierre-Paul, Carlos Dunlap, Everson Griffin, or Trey Flowers, all of whom are still out there on the open market. Many of them, probably other than Clowney, could come at a similar, if not equal, price to what you saw with Melvin Ingram. I could see any of those five having a better year in Kansas City than what Melvin Ingram has down in Miami. So that's why I'm not totally torn up about this. I would have liked to have had Melvin Ingram back. I thought it was done, and so I was happy to have him back here in Kansas City. I don't think this is the end of the world. And if a guy who had two sacks last year is the difference in us thinking that the Chiefs are okay on the defensive line or they're in a total free fall on the defensive line, I think it tells you more about their defensive line situation right now than anything else. No, I think it says a lot about the defensive line situation. There's a lot of things here. One, it is just like the care and the plan that they had in handling this is just, as we sit here, obviously it appears it just wasn't the priority or they just had a bunch of things that they missed out on fall through that you would think it is. Right. And and that's that's this the issue is all there were there were guys that were big time pass rushers that moved all in the offseason. Hell, we know it because they all moved in this division. And you didn't make it happen. And you sat right here after one of the reasons why you should have lost to Buffalo is because you couldn't rush the passer. And yet guys like Darian O'Daniel trying to blitz from the A gap to add to the pass rush against Buffalo in the fourth quarter. Of the, of the biggest game of the year because you can't get pressure anywhere. And this is where you're at right now. And I just – I want to be real about Melvin Ingram. Yes, those stats you rattled off are all true, but they don't tell the whole story when you watch it. Melvin Ingram arguably was the number one factor of why this defense made a 180 turn from how pathetic they were when the season started. Number two, number two, number one was Chris Jones going inside, but that was in, it was a result of them being able to have an edge rusher out there who was competent. But I think Chris Jones going back and you were all over this, Ron, you said that from the beginning, this is silly. He's a dominant interior rusher. Don't make him do something that you know, he's going to get worse at than if he was just inside and it didn't work. It failed. The edge rush idea, the plan with Chris Jones did not work. And when he moved back inside, I think that's what ultimately led to them having more success, but it was a result of them being able to have an, a competent edge rusher out there. That was the talk from them, from, from the Chiefs, from everyone, is Melvin Ingram, whatever it is, his presence, his arrival, was one of the biggest things that changed this defense. And, and yeah, I, I, I hear the numbers, but, damn it, maybe they're not counting pressures the way that I was seeing because there were some plays he made where he maybe didn't get the sack, but he – created pressure and I mean I know we can go back to the Denver Bronco game on on the road uh where he made the game changing play right there late in it which resulted in the touchdown uh by Nick Bolton that he ran all the way back 80 something yards so I mean I, I like listen he ain't great yes Jadavion Clowney can come in here and put together numbers and if he can rush the passer the way he did off of off of a great pass rusher like he had on the other side, and maybe he could rush off of Chris Jones, there could be something there, right? I hear all that. I'm just, I mean, I'm just willing to, I'm just waiting to see what they're going to do because 
Like it just just it just does not seem to be have been a priority. So in the offseason from where they've ended up. I, I will say this as well. They got a little screwed by the the situation with Tyreek. Tyree. So the, the, there were two things that happened simultaneously. The Tyreek Hill situation was taking place while all of these edge rushers went off of the board, and the edge rushers got paid this offseason in a way that I don't think the Chiefs were anticipating. I think the Chiefs thought they could get Chandler Jones for like two and fifteen or three and fifteen per year. So they were looking at like three years, forty-five million dollars, or like twenty-five million dollars guaranteed to Chandler Jones. He ended up getting three years and fifty million dollars with thirty-five guaranteed. That is a big difference. Randy Gregory, five years, seventy million dollars. Zadarius Smith, three years, forty-two million dollars, coming off of a big-time back injury last year. Even Emmanuel Ogba, man. He got four years and 65. Like the the market for these veteran pass rushers exploded. And at that same time, they thought they were getting a deal done with Tyreek Hill. And they knew it was potentially going to cost them a little more as well. And they're waiting on Orlando Brown to hire an agent so they can do those negotiations with him too. So all three of those things are happening at the same time. The Chiefs don't have the money available to go to extend this far for a Jones, a Von Miller, Gregory, or Zadarius Smith. And then after those guys sign, now the money comes free because Tyreek Hill goes elsewhere. And now you're stuck between a rock and a hard place with no real options other than this secondary edge march, edge rusher market available. I still think they should call the Chicago Bears and say, hey, what's it going to take? Robert Quinn, I'm with you. You, you guys know you're going to stink this year. It's going to be a bad season up in Chicago. Their number one receiver is a guy that would be like the number four wide receiver for the Chiefs and Darnell Mooney. Their defense is going to be bad. This is a full rebuild for them. If they would take a third round pick this year for for Robert Quinn, I would go make that type of a deal now. If they're not willing to do that, go get yourself a Trey Flowers. Go get yourself a Jason Pierre-Paul. Pay him five million bucks, one-year deal for uh, Flowers. It's a rebound deal for JP. Trey Flowers is good. Yeah, he fits the system. JPP has played in this system before he's had success in it. He has played on a team where he was ring chasing. Like those two make a lot of sense. There's still options out there, but it is surprising to me that this went the way that it did. Yeah. yeah we'll see. Yeah. We'll see overall. Go ahead, sir. I was just going to say that. Yeah. A lot of it had to do with Tyree Hill. And I don't think that they went into this thing thinking like, you know, we we fumbled or we dropped the ball on the edge rusher thing. I, I think once the Tyreek Hill move happened, it was okay. We got to see what we got in the draft now. And they get George Karloftis, which they were really happy about. They had him as a really highly ranked player on their board, but you also have to be realistic uh, about what he can bring to the table as a rookie. You have to be realistic about what you're going to get from Frank Clark, which we have seen a decline in play over the last couple of years. Like he is just not the same kind of player when he first came into Kansas city. And I think all you need is what Melvin Ingram gave you last year, which was, yeah, an availability to put Chris Jones in the middle and just give you competent edge rushing snaps. He didn't always need to sack the quarterback. He just needed to be disruptive. And I think you can find that with any of the guys that BK his name. like, those are the guys that you should be approaching right now. And I think they're all the same thing as Melvin Ingram at this point, uh, basically like Clowney 
you could make the case to pay a little bit more for Clowney because he's still young, but like oh, overall his career, like he's coming off of nine sacks and that was on the other side of Miles Garrett last season. So I don't think anybody's out here like, let me give Jadavian Clowney $10 million a year. Like I think you could still probably get Jadavian Clowney at, at 6 million, whereas these other guys are going to be a little bit cheaper, but you just need a competent veteran pass rusher who can help you develop George Karloftis so you can bring him along a little bit and see what you got there because this expectation that Karloftis is just going to come in and have an immediate impact is probably misguided. Like when you look at rookie pass rushers and edge rushers and what they do, like if you're talking about the elite of the elite, like those guys, you look at their rookie numbers, it's like eight sacks, seven sacks, nine sacks, 10 sacks. And then, you know, Micah Parsons was absolutely insane last year, but like, like George Karloftis ceiling as a rookie sacks is like what five, six. And you're like, you, okay, you would, I'd, push there. The, I'd push the button immediately for that right now. I like, he's going to be a better run stuffer. I think for his career uh, than he is a pass rusher. Like he may, he may be best to, to slide in on pass rushing to that rushing downs to face guards than he will coming around the corner. So like, that's why like the element of, of rushing the passer of just like I don't like I don't know that that fit Dampshire not as a rookie. I don't even know if that's going to be his strength. I'm just like I, I hear what you're saying all they need is a veteran guy. I just I just can't get past these quarterbacks on this schedule and I'm looking at this and if these cats just have time, like they're gonna pick they're gonna pick cats apart. And Ron, if they signed Carlos Dunlap, like I think Carlos Dunlap's a, a really solid defensive end. Previously with the Cincinnati Bengals, played the last couple of years up in Seattle. Last year he had eight and a half sacks for the Seattle Seahawks. If they signed him, do you feel any different about the defensive line than if they had signed Melvin Ingram? Like I might even feel a little better, honestly. No, no, I'm not the best pass rusher at 32 I, years old. Yeah, like I no, I, I mean it's mum. It, it's like similar. Like, I felt like they needed to desperately – they needed to go over Melvin Ingram. Like, I, I hear like you. I thought they needed to – like, I, I would have thought it had been great to have Melvin Ingram on one side and, you know, Chandler Jones on the other. Like, like that, that's what I'm thinking. And now, now it's to a point where, hell, they don't even have him yet. Right? Like, on the depth dip chart, I think George Kalofskis is a starter. Like yeah. right now, you would have to look at it. And I, that's all I, my thing is, not only I came into the thing thinking they had to over, obviously get better than Frank. I had been done with Frank. But I feel like they needed to jump over Melvin Ingram, especially with what came into your division. And they lost Melvin Ingram when you convinced me that they wasn't, which is this, a whole other story. What about what about Jim Bradbury? Uh, this one, I'm gonna tell you, BK. I don't feel as bad about this one. I, I like the work that they've done in the secondary. It'd have been nice to have, uh, but but I like the work they've done so far uh, with what they're doing. And I roll with the rookie Fenton, the way Fenton was playing, with, and if he's healthy with Fenton and and, and Snead, I, I can I can run with those three uh, for 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 the most part. And then you, you added Lonnie Johnson. For, for cheap and we can see what else it, what Baker and all those other guys do but I'm I'm cool the Bradbury thing is not to me as as pressing as as what you know Melvin Ingram and that position is yeah I'm with you there's not really a whole lot of corners now that I would be interested on in either this isn't one of those things similar to 
uh, with edge rushers where it's not a big deal because there's other options out there. There's really not. Joe Hayden is maybe the only guy available that I would have any interest in whatsoever. And he's more of a slot guy. And I think I just would rather Legereus Sneed continue to play in that role. So I don't think there's anybody else available. And I'm with you, man. Like if it was going to be 5 million, go do it. Go, go get yourself James Bradbury. He's going to immediately improve what you've got on the outside. And he serves as insurance while you've got um, Fenton coming back from this injury that he's been dealing with in the offseason. So I would have been totally in favor of that. 10 million bucks is just, it, it's a good amount of money, man. And what you, what the Chiefs have right now, while they're still trying to work on the deal with Orlando Brown, is about $9.5 to work with. He basically eats into all of that. So it wouldn't allow you to go out there and get that edge rusher as you get closer to training camp. So it, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense for me to see them go make that kind of a deal, even though I was somebody that was banging the table to potentially get James Bradbury, not at this cost. This is just too much money. And to me, when we saw what happened in the draft, like they made that a priority. I think yeah. for us, we uh, I never thought first-round corner I never thought they would do this with Spags and this defense, but they made that a priority. And at that point, I'm good. Like I'm good with that trio and running with that trio and and letting them get get. Better. I bet I bet Philly offered him way more money than anybody else did because they really needed a second cornerback because it was Darius Slay and a bunch of dudes you've never heard of in that secondary last year. Well, I hear the Texans offered more than that, but <laughs> James was good. James, uh, I don't James blame him about that either. Hey, Ron, can I throw a few other free agents at you before? Because there's probably going to be some free agents that end up signing over the next few weeks, and I don't know if they'll do so before we get our next podcast up or not. But I want to get your thoughts on some of these guys. You mind? Sure. So, a couple of interior rushers, because I think the Chiefs could probably use one more of those guys, especially if they're not going to have a they could use somebody to re- to replace Jaron Reed. What he was doing. Akeem Hicks is out there formerly with Chicago, and Dominican Sue rather still available, and Larry Ogunjobi, who was with Cincinnati last year. He got year, hurt in the playoff job, game. And then ended up failing his uh, his physical, so that the Bears wanted to sign him, but they didn't end up being able to because of that physical designation. Would you be interested in any of those three guys? Yeah, especially Hicks. I think Hicks jumps out the most to me. Sue, man, I don't know, man. He, he's feeling more name like right now i think he i feel played the same. really well last year in the playoffs in the playoffs yeah he's feeling more name like to me it, it, him and joe hayden i kind of feel in the That's same fair. boat of like name like I, I think hicks is a dominant run guy and he pushes the pocket back pretty well he's somebody that that could be intriguing on the inside so uh, of that of that group it would be akeem hicks sir do you have any interest in those guys sir hates all of them <laughs> um I do like Akeem Hicks. Uh, I think he, he's just been one of those players who's kind of buried in Chicago forever and nobody really knows who he is and they don't have any idea how good he actually is. Uh, he was hurt a lot last season, but like Chicago's defense was noticeably better when he was healthy and when he was the, the dominating like interior force on their defensive line. I, I still think he could be a really good player. So Akeem Hicks would actually really interest me. Yeah, I, I just I tend to agree with you, Ron. I think they need somebody to be able to replace what Jaron Reed gave them yeah. last year. And I know Jaron Reed was a disappointment relative to our expectations going into the season, but I still think they. Yeah, but he somebody. came on. He came on the second half of the year. Like there was some improvements with with Jaron Reed in the second. Not, I mean, obviously, 
he just had that insane one season in Seattle where he had double digit sacks, and that ain't him. That was just obviously uh, the the outlier. But like right now in the in the rotation, I mean, they got they're holding on to Derek Nottie's unchanging hand, and 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 Tashawn Wharton. Like I think he's a pretty good pass rusher from the inside. But hell, after that, Doug, I mean, I don't know what. Colin Saunders, Colin Saunders is, is going to be doing. I, I mean, yeah. I think and then they, they signed don't. that, Serta, they signed that guy from Indianapolis as well, right? Oh, yeah. I can't. I don't Taylor have Taylor Stallworth? Yeah. 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 And he, there's some people that are high on him. I just don't know enough about him, really, honestly, to give you a, a fair assessment of him. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think anybody wants that assessment of him right now. Nobody okay. I, I do know that Ron Cop did actually do something on Taylor Stallworth. So if you want to find that, it's at arrowheadpride.com. <laughs> That's so that's so Ron. What other uh player to throw at you? And Ron, you'll you'll have some some background on this. Any interest in Will Fuller? Yes. 100% yes. On a cheap yeah. prove it deal, like I don't think Will Fuller is going to get more than a couple million this year. He's got so many questions at this point with a PED suspension. He's always hurt, but my god is he a fast I, player? I don't I don't I don't have any interest. I mean the the season he got suspended he got popped for PEDs he yeah, was on pace for like twelve hundred yards. He was season. rolling. He was rolling. Here, I just think we're starting to get a level of redundancy now, right? Yeah. Like how many like how many deep like who else on the team can do what he does? Because I'm telling you, like that that's his issue. At least when I when I covered him in Houston is like I mean, he ain't got a lot of routes in there that he runs great. Run, go, just go. <laughs> yeah, run but that I mean, way they, and run it as fast as you can. Defense, yeah. But I feel like you got a couple of those guys, right? Like, what is what is Valdez Scantling? Like, I mean, that's he's actually him. better at at other stuff than you'd expect. He, he's got. I know a he is. Route tree. I know he is, but he's a, like he's he's gonna be a guy that you go downfield with. So is obviously McCole Hardman. Like that, that's. I think McCole's a gadget a, player at this point. I'm not sure he's that. a downfield guy. Well, when he's on the like, I mean, if he's going to run routes, that's probably a lot of what he's going to do, right? And so I, I just, I just think we're at a level of redundancy here with the speed that's fair. kids. Those are the only guys that I really have interest in, and, and so that's why I wanted to throw a match you, just because like when you're getting down to the bottom of the barrel, I actually think there's better free agents available later in the season or later in the off season this year than there have been in previous seasons. But uh, much to the benefit of the Chiefs. Most of them are at the edge rush position. So yeah, I, I, like, I think I like, that does help them a lot. Trey Flowers intrigues me uh, more than Clowney. Clowney's not a great pass rusher. Just I, not I a, don't think Clowney's a fit in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Flowers more, and and I like Akeem Hicks. Like those, those, those are the two that jump out at me. I like Flowers, Dunlap, and JPP. Those would be my top three. Do I give mine now? Give yours. Do whatever you want to do. I like flowers, JPP, and Dunlap. Yeah, I listen. I know this is this is rude. Um, I just I gotta have guys that got more than three fingers on one <laughs> hand. I'm that kind of guy, and I know like maybe I'm discriminating against people with fingers that play defensive end and in their mid thirties. That's just where I am. Like if you're gonna be at, in your mid thirties. On the defensive line in the NFL, I need eight fingers, and I think he only has seven. So I, I that's just where I am with JPP. He's had a lot of successful football since that that accident. 
Yeah, I know. He's getting older though. If he were thirty, if he were thirty-two, I can deal with it. He's he's getting up there. And he's got to be like thirty-four or thirty-five years old. I mean, we got. I mean, I don't actually know how old he is off the top of my head. That's, that's your problem. All right. Well, had a had a blast, fellas. Thirty-three yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah, he'll be thirty-four before the season, I believe. Just <laughs> guessing on that. Clearly. All right. Good. 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 Good show, fellas. Great job, man. Uh, Steve, welcome back from New Orleans. I hope you're feeling good. Uh, I think you should keep drinking. I think you should keep drinking ungodly amounts of alcohol to let it really get away from you. Like and Friday, keep going to Frenchman Street. What? Yeah. Tell us about that. Friday, um, uh, coming up Friday. Friday, you should, I think you should act like you're in New Orleans again. Just I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm trying to be healthy for a little bit here. <laughs> Put on some, put on some, okay, yeah, all right. There you go, Pete Sweeney again, how about that, Jim? All right, yeah, be healthy again. All right, BK, Serta Show, we are out.